0: Yeah, Daniel 8 through 12. How fun is this? All right. Um, There's the first one. I'm supposed to do the next one. That's a lot of things to juggle, so you can pray for me. But good morning. It is such a treat for me to be with you and to teach for you today. Um, I do not get the opportunity to do this a lot anymore because my life got super busy. I do have grandkids, which is the fun part of super busy, but we brought, if you don't know, we brought home a little girl named Lyra from Ukraine. Um, That's been four years ago now, which is crazy. We brought her home when she was 13, which makes her 17, but mentally she's still around age three or so, so she loves warm hugs. Think Olaf. She loves warm hugs. She talks about the same things over and over, but she doesn't know anybody named Samantha. Um, But um, it's been a great four years, but it is like five therapies a week. She has 17 specialist doctors that we see um, throughout the month. So there's a lot going on with her. Um, But that was after four great years, after six and a half really long years to bring her home. And every single one of those years, just to be honest, was absolutely awful. Like, absolutely awful. And um, I'm going to tell you one story. Okay, 2014. Back yourself up nine years. You got how old you are. Nine years ago, we were already two and a half years into trying to bring her home. We started to try to bring her home when the seniors were six and seven that's how long ago it was. But then we got, so we got three no's in between those years of no, you can't bring her home. No, you can't. We filed three times. But on that third time, we got what we've been waiting for. We got the yes, October 2014. We got the yes, she's yours. Here's your court date in a week. You have one week. We had raised no money. We needed $20,000 just for the cost to adopt her, plus plane tickets. Where are we going to stay? How are we going to live there? Like, we needed everything, and in three days, we got it. This church body, people from around our community gave. People knocking on our door, and I'm opening them, and they're like, my wife told me to give you this. And I'm like, tell her to think that all the time, just anytime she wants. But it was amazing. We rode this high of people giving us plane tickets, people giving us money for us. I had no supplies for her. I didn't even know what to buy. And women and men brought us bags of things, medicines, things I wouldn't have even thought of. And we rode that high for 72 hours until it crashed. And as we were driving towards Austin, it was football night, Friday night, and I get the phone call that I'm sorry, we found a problem with the paperwork. There is no court. You cannot adopt her. And I'll be honest, in that moment, I wasn't sad. I was ticked. I mean, absolutely livid because I was so deeply, deeply hurt that my God would do that to me. Can you understand that? Because here's the deal we had gotten nose, I didn't mind nose. We know all about no's. That would have been our third no. We get that. But I want you to picture this. See if I can set this scene for you. I want you to imagine that you have a car that's like the dream car. You know the one, right? And your dad says, hey, we need, I need you to run an errand with me. And he pulls up to that dealership. Like, it's the Porsche dealership. And you're looking at him like, what are we doing here? And he's like, it's a car for you. Go ahead, walk on in, and you're like, Shh, don't, don't play, like don't do that, don't do this to me. And he's like, I'm not kidding, it's yours. Go. And so you like walk in, you keep looking at him, and he's just encouraging, you, no, go, just keep going. And you walk in, and you're you're meeting with the salesman. And he's talking about packages, and you get it all sorted out with him. And then you turn around because there's only one thing left to do, and that is to pay for it. And you look around for your dad with this big grin, and he is gone. So what's the big deal? You didn't have a Porsche before. You don't have one now, no trouble, right? There's not really except between you and your dad. Can you see that? Now what's between you and your dad is that you got set up and that's exactly how I felt. All he had to do was just tell us no. But a yes for 72 hours, a yes, a go, a plane ticket, and then to rip that around, like, I I was devastated. I tried to go to church that Sunday, and I didn't stay. I couldn't stay. No lie, that Sunday, that Sunday, the worship team decides to sing, You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I walked out because you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I hope he is for you, but he's not all that for me. My oldest daughter got flown in. Friends of, of ours contacted her and said, we'll fly you home. She agreed and took off work, and she came home. And another dear friend contacted Cassie and said, we have a vacation home. We would love to give it to you all. It's in October. Nobody's using it. Like we would love for you and your mom to be able to go if you can. And Cassie said, yes, because mom was back at home really angry with all the people around me. Because that Sunday, I kept walking in, and people were like this, oh, Kim, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? And I was just like, are you so stupid you have to ask? Do you not know how I'm doing? And so to keep me from sinning more... Against the church and against my father, Cassie took me out of town and we drove down to the beach in Texas. And to keep me from sinning, I didn't talk much for days. I would walk out to the beach with a chair. I would sit there for hours watching the waves come in and then I would go back to the room, and Cassie usually had found something for us to eat, and I would eat, and I would go to bed, and I'd get up early in the morning the next day, and I would start all over again. And for the first day, I couldn't do anything except exist. I was so angry with him that I I didn't even want to speak to him. But the bigger deal for me is I didn't even want to hear from him. And that's that's a huge deal for me because when I became a believer at about the age of 29 I had devoured his word. I wanted to know him. So I memorized all I could memorize and I worked really hard to understand the rhythm of scripture because I wanted his thoughts in my thoughts. But now when those words would start to come, I literally would say out loud sometimes, "Stop talking to me. I'm not talking to you." I don't want to hear from you. You know that. And that's where I was until day two. And on day two, I started putting in headphones. And I listened to Scripture. But it was kind of funny to Cassie and anybody who knows this story, because what I listened to was just the prophets. That's the only people I could listen to. And Job, a lot. Isaiah 40 through 66 a lot, but one of the sections of scripture that I put on repeat over and over is Daniel 7 through 12. Not the stories. I I didn't want to hear anything about lion's dens. I don't want to hear anything about fire walking, none of that. What I wanted to hear was sea monsters. I wanted to hear like, Leopards with four heads, but they got wings and talons. That's what I needed to hear. Just like you heard from Dave in chapter 7. That's what, that's what saved me in those moments. That's what healed me in those moments. Chapter 8 goes on, and all of a sudden you have this great ram with two horns, and he's so powerful that he tramples Anyone, anywhere he wants to go with power so great, none can stop him, only to be defeated by a goat that's got this weird horn with all these eyes on it. It's really creepy. But he's so fast that he like flies across the ground. Like you can't even see his feet touching. And he tramples all over that ram and rises up in power and in might. And that's what healed me. So when I heard Dave say, this intimidates me, I thought, oh, no, this is is life to me. This is what I needed to hear. But you can probably guess it's not about those nightmare creatures. I mean, they're all good and all that. But none of those beasts, by the way, Daniel is told, none of the beasts are actually beasts. They're just men. They're just kings, rulers, princes but they're men who act like beasts. That ram, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel tells Daniel, that ram, that ram is just one of your kings that's about to rise up. He's, he's gonna be the king of the, and the, uh, the Persia and the Medes. That's that guy. But then the goat, yeah, that's the king of Greece and he's gonna come in and trample all over this king. Oh, they'll call themselves kings, gods, presidents, rulers. And then they'll die by the hand of another man who acts like a wild beast, and he'll be taken out too. And if you lived in these times and places like Daniel, you wouldn't have seen a weird ram coming at you. You'd have just seen a man rise up in power. But that king, that dictator, that that ruler, that prince, he had a job to do. He had an image that he was supposed to show to the world. He was supposed to act like a man. There's actually a command in Scripture, in Corinthians, be strong and act like a man, but it doesn't mean male. It means be strong and act like a human. And that's what these rulers cannot do. They act so strange that God has to like make up creatures just to describe them. If you are in this world, and you are, you have one job to do, and that's to act human. But what that means is that you as a human were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God, which means you're supposed to show him off. If you're a mom like me, you're supposed to show God in his provision and protection, in his supply and his loving kindness, his steadfast patience. That's what your mom's supposed to do. And if if you run a business, you're supposed to show God as a businessman, someone who loves himself and loves his neighbor as much as himself. You're supposed to be the kind of businessman who reaches out to do good to the community, to the world, that your product, your service benefits the world because that's what God is like as he rules this world. If you're a president or a king or a prince, you're supposed to so speak and so act in such a way that when somebody meets God, they can say to God, no, wait, I knew that about you because I was ruled by him. He ruled like you do. That's what it means to be humid, human, but they didn't do that. These kings are so wild, so out of control, so consumed by their lusts and their appetites and their power and their wealth that they act like crazy people. They act like beasts. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, the story of him turning into a wild beast. God's telling the same story. King Nebuchadnezzar was supposed to be a king who ruled like God who took care of people and didn't use his power for his own glory, but that's exactly what he did, isn't it? He built a a, tower, a a tall tower walls surrounding him to protect. He built a tall statue, and he said, I want worshipers now. So you remember what God did to him, which was to put him in a field and turned him into a crazy thing. He ate, he ate the ground, the the grass like an ox, but he also had hair like wild and long, his feathers, his hands turned into talons like a bird. And God was doing that to say, okay, that King Nebuchadnezzar, I know he looks like a man to you, but he's actually not. This is what he's doing. This is what he's acting like. And you remember when Nebuchadnezzar was restored to himself, he finally turned the praise and honor to God like Humans are supposed to. So those beasts you read about here in scripture elsewhere, don't think to yourself that God's got some like crazy, like a ward of like crazy monsters out there. He's just showing you people. He's showing you men and women who act like so that's what God shows Daniel in his visions. And God was reminding Daniel there is no hope in that king. He's a four headed lion. There is no hope in this one. He's a sea monster. There's no hope in that one. He's a ram. There's no hope in the goat. You have no hope here. Basically, Daniel, these people are not going to be worth your attention. And they definitely won't bring you hope in your hopeless situation in exile so why guys why would i listen to this stuff on repeat this section of daniel at least 50 times when i am at my worst well i'm going to give you an example if you remember can you go back with me the one of the first times your mom and dad let you watch like a more grown-up movie like, they, they let you watch something that was a little too old for you, but they sat with you through it. They would already seen it. And you get to the suspenseful part, and all of a sudden, like my granddaughter, who's seven, keeps saying, like all the way through the Princess Ariel movie, like, what's going to happen? Is this going to happen? And I'm like, you've seen this in the cartoon. You know that's not what happens. Well, no, tell me, tell me what's going to happen. Is this going to happen to him? And so we're leaning over and saying, no, that's, that's not what happens. So when you were little, you would say to your mom and dad, what's happening? Is he going to die? And they would say, no, 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 he's, he's not going to die. So he, sh- she drank the poison, and then, yeah, she was going to die, but then this nerdy guy came, and he saved her, and then they both got in trouble with evil sorcerer number three who did spell number 12, but they're all going to be okay. That, what you did when your parents told you that, that's exactly what, Daniel saw Why would hearing about all the scary things to come help you in that moment? Well, it's not about hearing the scary things to come that's going to help you. What's going to happen inside of you is that you hear there's a plan for all this mess. Like, we got this. The author of this story, he knows what he's doing. And you're going to get to the end and be happy with how that goes. That's what prophecies are for. They strengthen us so we can live in confidence. And I want you to hear the rhythm of how to hear these prophecies differently. So I'm going to read in a little bit part of Daniel 11. But before I do, I'm going to set the story for where Daniel is. So you had Dave talking about chapter 7, chapter 8, ram and goat and all that. Chapter 9... Daniel says that he was reading from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who wrote before Daniel went into exile as a boy. So Jeremiah wrote, and he wrote all about this exile to come. He prophesied that Babylon was going to come, and he's going to crush Jerusalem, and he's going to take people as slaves. But in there, in chapter 29, he tells them like, it's going to be 70 years of living there and daniel has just read that and all of a sudden his brain clicks because at this point he's in his early 80s and he got there when he was around 12 13 and he's like wait a second like that's now this is almost done this we're almost done with exile god is going to save us as a people and he starts thinking about all the sins that israel has done and he falls on his face, and throughout almost all of chapter 9, Daniel just prays, Father, forgive us. Not because, of, not because of us, but because of you. And he says this, Daniel nine nineteen, For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of you, because of your great mercy, O Lord. Delay not. No, sorry. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O Lord, but my God, because of your city and your people, Lord, they are called by your name. Save us for your own sake, for your name's sake. And the angel Gabriel does come as Daniel's praying, and he tells Daniel a little about what's going to happen to God's people, but then... Gabriel gets wordy, and for chapters 10, 11, and 12, he tells them another vision. One vision in three chapters. So I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. You're welcome. But this da- this vision, I need you to know, when Daniel heard this vision, now he heard about the sea monsters. He stood there. He heard all about the ram and the goat and all these things. He's, he's still doing okay. When, when Gabriel tells him this prophecy, he falls down flat, like he passes out. And the angel Gabriel has to come and stand him up and strengthen him so he can hear it. But I want to give you a sample of what chapter 11 says, but here's the deal. Do not focus on the who and the what. That's too easy. You're going to hear about a king, and he's going to come and do X, Y, and Z. Don't focus on that. What I want you to focus on, what I want you to hear is the absolute assurance and confidence that Gabriel has when he's speaking these words. So I'm not going to have him up here because I want you to hear it as Daniel would have heard it. But you're going to hear it in me speak. I'm not going to read it out of a certain scripture. I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. And this is how Gabriel starts. He goes, let me tell you how things are going to be. All right. So Daniel, here in Persia, you're going to have three more kings that are going to rise up. And then there's going to be a fourth king. And that king is going to be more powerful, more wealthy than any of the ones who come before. But when he thinks he's powerful enough and everything's going so well, well, then another power, powerful king is going to actually rise up at the same time. And he's going to um, conquer him and run over this huge territory. He's going to do whatever he pleases, but at the height of his power, With everything seemingly under control, his kingdom is actually going to be split into four parts. But none of his kids are going to get those. Actually, others are going to come and they're going to strip away whatever they can to rule over the kingdom he once had. But next, so he's in the north, next we've got the king of the south, and that king of the south is going to rise up and grow strong, but one of his princes down there is actually going to grow even more powerful than he, and he's going to get a lot more power, but then they're going to come together, and they're going to make a pact for peace, so that they rule over this massive kingdom down to the south, and then they're going to send one of their daughters up to the king of north, and she's going to marry him, and they're going to have this peace, they're going to have this huge kingdom where everybody living in peace, but unfortunately, somebody in the in the kingdom to the north is going to betray her and her husband and her son and her dad and her mom and they're gonna like massacre them and so that's going to make a member of her royal family down south really ticked so he's going to rise up attack the north and try and take over he's going to take command of the army and he's going to take command of all of the wealth of the land and he's going to win in a resounding victory and he's going to take all their little statues their little gold silver stuff he's going to take all of that back down to egypt where he came from But eventually, the king of the north is going to grow back in power, and he's going to invade the kingdom of the south, but it's going to be unsuccessful. And then he's going to have to retreat, but then one of his sons rises up, and he becomes even more powerful, and he decides he's going to go after the king of the south. When he does, the king of the south is going to be so furious that he is going to come up, meet him, defeat him, and be so enraged that he's going to massacre tens of thousands of people while they're trying to run away. But his victory's not going to last long. Do not worry about that. But the king of the south is then going to put together another army that's going to defeat that guy. How's this going for y'all? It gets a little lost, did not it? Right. So if you're paying attention to, I'm sorry, which king and what did he do and where did he go, you're missing it. But it's so easy to miss it. Because what you were supposed to be looking for words like, he will, then he won't. And he will, and it's going to look bad, but he won't. And then he will for a little while, and then he will not anymore. There's a passage in Job where God is speaking, and he says, I say to the... Waves on the shore, you can come this far and no further, and there shall your proud waves be ceased. Our Father is in absolute control, He rules and He reigns, and they will only rise up as long as He lets them, and then they will be no more. When you were a little kid playing in the sand, You took some water and you poured it in and you created that little river and it turned whichever way you wanted it to go. Proverbs 21 says the heart of a king is like sand moving water, charting it whichever way God wants that king to go. Just like you in the sand. They have an end, all of these beasts. All of these men and women who act like beasts, they have an end. They will rule and reign for a little while, but then they will end. This is how Gabriel puts it at the end of the prophecy. At that time shall arise Michael, another archangel, a great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since you were called a nation. But at that time, your people will be delivered. Everyone whose name is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, the ones who have died before, they will awake. And some are going to rise to everlasting life. And some, those beasts, those wild people, they will rise too, to shame and everlasting destruction, to contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sun in the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Do you hear the forever and ever? And they lived happily ever after. That's the end. Evil has an end. Death has an end. Men who act like beasts They have an end. Let them rage. Let them roar in their fury. But there will be a day when they come to an end. Let every person in the Ukrainian government declare to us that you will not adopt this child. And we will just keep going to the end. That's what Gabriel told Daniel to do. After the vision, Daniel's like, okay, so... About all these things, um, I couldn't even keep up, but help me to know what in the world this was all about. And Gabriel says back to him, this. Gabriel's saying, what do I do? I don't, Like, what do you want me to do with all these kings and these massacres? What am I supposed to do with all this? And Gabriel says, oh, for, as for you, um, go your way to the end. Go your way to the end. So what does it look like to know what's going to happen, to know that evil is going to come, to know that one evil person after another is going to rise up, to know that your university might mess you up, to know that governments can screw up your plans, to know that your parents can get in the way, your siblings can get in the way, friends can betray you. What do you do knowing that all of this could be coming at you and probably will? You go your way to the end. So what does that look like? We're gonna talk about a few things that Daniel learned in this story, but also from the prophets who came before him, from the angels that God sent to him, and the first one was this. In that same verse, in that same chapter where Daniel was reading about the 70 years in the book of Jeremiah, he would have read these words. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Seek the welfare of the city. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. You know who Jeremiah was talking to? Daniel. All of those exiled in Babylon. All of those just like you, who just heard about being at the mercy of kings, who couldn't care less about your God, who sometimes act like wild beasts, Jeremiah spoke to them and to us. Do good where you are. Help others. Don't act like a crazy beast. Don't act like a beast at at the command of your appetites, at the command of your power to get all you can out of this for you and yourself. That is not the image of a human because that is not the image of your God. Your Christ had all power. Did he use it for himself or for you? You are saved because Christ gave up his power for you. Sacrifice your power for the welfare of others. Did he keep all of his wealth? No, he gave it up for you so that you could be made wealthy. That's the image of a human. Be somebody who does not seek the welfare of yourself and your tribe, but is willing to give it up for everyone that they come in contact with, and go your way to the end. Next, be humble. Daniel 9, 8 through 10. He says this in that prayer, to us, O Lord, belongs shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have acted like beasts. That's what sin is, you know that. Being consumed by your own appetites, by what you want, beastly. We have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of our Lord by walking in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants and prophets. Guys, the more you know about other people's sins, the easier it is to think your way up here above them and be so irritated with those people. Don't, you don't have to raise your hand because I know you, we've all done it. If you have siblings, they can make you crazy. Because in your mind, you're not like them. But do you see what Daniel As We studied the book of Daniel. Did you see all the flagrant sins Daniel has done? None. There's not one listed about him. And Daniel is over here saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not above them. I am one of them. My sins have contributed to this. Be humble about your place. Your sin has contributed to the trouble and evil of this world. Own it. Don't get put out with wild beasts around you. Recognize your own beastliness as you go and confess it. Third, be confident. So Second Peter 3, I'm not going to quote it to you, but the whole chapter is about things like Daniel, like the prophecies. Because in those prophecies, just like we read at the end of chapter 12, we, God makes promises to us as his people. Except there's going to be others who come around and they're like, uh, I haven't seen it happening. Like, I thought your God was going to save you. Even Jesus on the cross, as he's sitting there, people are coming by and mocking him. If you're really the Messiah, why don't you get off the cross? They will mock you too. And so will your own voice. As you say, maybe, maybe we weren't supposed to adopt her. Maybe three no's is plenty. Like, how can you be more clear that you're not supposed to adopt somebody than to get three no's? Well, we did this for six and a half years. We got ten no's. You cannot adopt her. Not like, not yet. Denied. You cannot. Why would we keep pushing forward? People have said to us, maybe you're not supposed to adopt her. Maybe God was just getting your family ready to adopt here, to foster. But we felt determined that what our call from God was is to go your way to the end. So I wanted to talk to you about something that Daniel learned. This is from 2 Peter 3. And he says this, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord... One day, it's like a thousand years. But that thousand years that seems so long to you, that's just one day before our Father. The Lord is not slow, as some people like Kim count slowness, who thinks he's not doing things fast enough, who's impatient with him. He's patient towards you. Why? He tells you at the end, because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to repentance, all, all. He wants everybody. Guys, evil is not the end, never until you see justice flow down like water, until there is no hunger in the land, there is no poverty, no sickness, no tears, until that part, you're in the suspenseful part of God's story. But there will be a day when that's all over. When the mercy and goodness of God floods this land. When grace and truth are all that we know. That's what the death and resurrection of Christ proved. Did you know that? When Christ was defeated on the cross, when he died, when he was put into the tomb, in the days he stayed dead, In that time, it looked like evil had the last say until he rose. And that resurrection proved to us that death will never have the last say. He didn't just rise back to being human, he rose to glory. Glory will have the last say. Restoration is coming of all things. So why the delay? Why doesn't God just do this now? Because his heart is greater than mine. His heart is greater than yours. Because he's not willing for anybody to die without the chance to repent. Why is evil winning today? So that impact can happen. So that you can go out and you can tell another child about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Lyra will not be made whole because today God's waiting for that child who's going to hear the gospel from you. One day Lyra is going to teach us. I can't wait to get to know what her mind is thinking. I can't wait to see her in fullness. To see her run and skip. Have you seen the skip challenge? Every time you see it and somebody cannot do it, just know that's, that's Lyra's skip. But one day, she is racing around this world. Why not today, Lord, heal her. Come back, Jesus. Restore all things. Make Lyra new. And he's like, I'm, I'm so coming. Just, just be patient because there's a little kid at Miller, at Miller Splash Pad. And I have the gospel prepared in this team. And that little girl is going to hear it, and she's going to get to be a part of your family because of my patience. Guys, every time that you think about why doesn't he do it now, just keep thinking there is some little child out there who is not yet his. Because here's the deal, when the end comes, Peter tells us it comes like a thief, it's so quick, you're not even going to know it. Paul tells us that two people are just going to be working, you're just going to be working in the field, you're not looking for it. It's going to happen on the most normal day you can imagine. But when it comes, it's over that chance to be a part of his family, it's done. Justice will be here, grace and mercy will be here, restoration will be here, but no more chances will be here. God is patient. But guys, as you wait patiently, do not lose confidence in him. He's got it. Justice will win. That's why I want you to work for justice, because that's what he's doing. Why do you think I want you to be generous? of your time, your talents, your money, your resources, because that's what he's like. That's what he's doing today, sending out you and me to work the kingdom into this world as it is in heaven. That's why we share everything we have, because he has shared everything of himself with you. As you go your way to the end, count his patience as salvation for someone else and stay confident in the restoration of our God. Lastly, be hopeful. Romans 15 4 says this, Whatever was written in the former times, it was written for our instruction that through endurance, through endurance, through sticking with it, through going your way to the end, through the encouragement of scriptures like Daniel, we might have hope. All these words from Daniel, the entire book, it was written down for you because you need hope. It was to teach you how to endure when it feels like God has set you up. It was to teach me what to do and how to think when I feel like God has destroyed me. It's encouragement to stand and to help you go your way, Kim. Go your way to the end. Do not falter. Keep your eyes up. Wait for me, and keep going to the end. Have you ever noticed that not once in the middle of like Dave's stories or one of the interns telling you the story of like Daniel getting thrown thrown into the lion's den, and you were like, "I'm out." I'm out. I can't can't hear any of this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fire, and you're just weeping. You're just a puddle of mess because you just can't stand it, thinking about what they're going through. Absolutely not. You ate your donut, and you moved on with your day. Right? Because those stories that are in front of us, we just get to turn the page. Well, guys, your story... Is their story. You believed in that moment in Daniel that there was more to the story than you can see and a better end to come. Did you hear that? There is more to your story than you can see and there is far better to come. But stay in the story. Don't give up. I needed that in 2014. I needed these words in 2014. And I need it again today. And so do you, some of you today. And some of you are going to need it desperately. Next year, a few short years. The point that you can find in Daniel is how to go your way to the end. Because that Christ that he was trusting in and looking for, that's your Christ. That God that he was resting in, that he believed in, that made him stand in front of the lines, that that father is your father. He is no different towards you than he was with Daniel. The one who walked around in the flames is your brother. You can go your way to the end too if he's yours, if he's yours. And if, if, it, if it's not true of you, if, if this doesn't make sense to you, just know that at your age it made zero sense to me. I wasn't a believer at your age. I didn't become a believer for 10 more years after the seniors. So it didn't make sense. But there are people here like me, people sitting right next to you, who would love to help you understand how Daniel's rescuer is their rescuer too. Just ask. But for the rest of you, guys, keep going. It's why Daniel 7 through 12 was written, so you could keep going to the end. Keep asking, keep coming, keep pressing on to know him. He is the one who charts the lives of kings and your life too. Daniel is here when you get lost, just like I got lost. He's here when you feel betrayed, just like I felt betrayed. You can find him here because Daniel is now before the king, longing for you to have the same confidence he now has in your father. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you for the gift of Daniel. I thank you for this book. I thank you for the stories, but I especially thank you for the crazy sea monsters and the four-headed lions because it showed me what it was like to live like a beast. It showed me that, that I have a one true image, and that one true image is Jesus Christ, and that's what I'm supposed to display to the world, not, not the trampling of a ram, not the ripping teeth of a leopard. I'm not supposed to be like a beast of the field, Father. Cleanse us of our beastliness and make us into one like you. And Father, give us confidence from your prophecies. Give us that hope that this will, and in it will not, because of you. That there is never an end to the story that does not end in restoration and righteousness and goodness, flooding this earth in our lives and in today and in the one to come. Make us people who hope in you, who have confidence in you, who seek the welfare of the city because of you, but do it all humbly because we're still really in touch with our beastliness. And we know we're just like the ones, the crazy things we see around us. Do this for us as you did it for Daniel and help us to be men and women who go our way to the end For the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Um, I have no idea. Tell me what time. 1216, it's been great. Y'all go home, pack your stuff, get back up here. See you at 2.30.